That song will fit any message God's preachers preach. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. We were singing in that last hymn that John led us in. One day, the songwriter said, Buried, he carried my sins far away. You know how far away he carried them? Out of God's sight forever. (laughs) And I thank God for that. You know, these people who hold to universal redemption, that Jesus Christ died for everybody, don't they know what the Scripture teaches? That through His redeeming work, God remembers our sins against us no more? And if that was true of everybody, nobody would go to hell, but we know that's not true. But I'm thankful He took my sins upon Himself, that He who knew no sin became sin for me, that I might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What a gospel we have for sinners who know they're sinners. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9, if you will, please. Our text for Friday night's Bible study was taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And those two scriptures read this way, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance that ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So that verse alone teaches us that the gospel must be preached. It must be. It must come to us. Like I brought out Friday night, We can't come to the Gospel. The Gospel is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Gospel. And we can't come to Him. No man can come to Him except the Father which sent Him drawn. But when the Gospel comes to us, it must be made effectual by the power of God the Holy Spirit. It must be. If the Gospel of our Lord Jesus doesn't come in power, if it is not made effectual in our hearts by the irresistible drawing power of God the Holy Spirit it will fall on spiritually deaf ears and will just be in vain to the ones who hear it. We also considered this scripture Friday night taken from Matthew 11 where our Lord says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Folks, listen. The new birth is a miracle of God's amazing grace. It's made effectual. The Gospel is made effectual. The new birth is a result of God's saving power. You must be born again is what our Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus. It's a must. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see. He cannot perceive. He cannot understand the kingdom of God. But he also said, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. Listen You can hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell from whence it cometh or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God. So God moves when He pleases, where He pleases, upon whom He pleases. And He alone is the one who can bestow His mercy upon His children. He does that. God has mercy 
on whom He will have mercy. Now, this miracle of God's sovereign grace that's performed by His sovereign power under the preaching of His Gospel is that which God uses to enlighten our minds to the spiritual truths that are found in His Word, to the Gospel. And when the Holy Spirit enlightens our minds, He does not draw our attention to any sinful, polluted works that we perform. does not draw our attention to our free will. He draws our attention to Jesus Christ and His sovereign will. Now, Jesus Christ is the subject of God's preachers. Every time we preach, He is our subject. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, is the subject of the whole Bible from cover to cover. Preachers who do not preach Jesus Christ are false preachers. They might as well throw their Bibles away and get a copy of the Reader's Digest and preach from that. Accomplish the same thing. God's not saving anybody under the preaching of lies. Now our text for the past few weeks has been Isaiah 9 verse 6 but I've been reading verses 6 and 7 together and when we get to verse 7 um, this is really going to be very important to have that scripture in our minds coupled with what we read in verse 6. So let me read these two verses in your hearing. Isaiah 9 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now the Holy Spirit reveals to us that the Christ child who was born of the Virgin, is the God-man. The mighty God. I was sharing with my wife just yesterday that what I'm about to share with you, the words that I spoke to her, would infuriate some religious folks so much they would want to kill me, and they would if they could. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, loved loves Rahab the harlot as much as he loves the virgin who gave birth to the Christ child. I also told my wife, Jesus Christ loves the thief on the cross as much as he loved David, a man after his own heart. Jesus Christ loves me, loves you, if you're one of His, as much as He loved the Apostle Paul. His love is the same for His people. And He manifested that love when He came to this earth. Our Creator, the mighty God, became a man to redeem His people through His sufferings. 
Now these descriptive words in verse 6 define the character of Jesus Christ, the God-man, but only those who have been given faith to see the glory of God in His face will love these truths. They will be meaningful to every enlightened child of God. Unto you therefore which believe, He is precious. Everything about Jesus Christ is overwhelmingly wonderful. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God and the only one qualified to be our spiritual counselor. When our Lord Jesus told His disciples that all power in heaven and earth had been given to Him, He was telling them that He was God manifest in the flesh. There's no arguing this blessed truth. Brother Lee read this scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 or chapter 3 verse 16 this morning. The word of God says without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Now Isaiah prophesied that Jesus Christ would be called the mighty God which was our subject last Sunday. But Isaiah said that Jesus Christ would be called the Everlasting Father. And this will be our subject for this morning's message. There's only one God, but there are three divine persons in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ our Lord said, I and my Father are one. He did not say, I and my Father is one. What then does our text mean when it says that Jesus Christ shall be called the Everlasting Father? In answer to that question, let me quote Pastor Don Fortner from a sermon that he preached on this subject. He said from Isaiah 9-6, Let it be established clearly in your mind that our text is not describing the relation of Christ to the other persons of the triune Godhead. The prophet is not here talking about the character of Christ as God. He is describing the character of Christ in His messianic offices. He is describing Christ's mediatorial relationship to His people. It is essential that we understand this. Isaiah is not here declaring the doctrine of the Trinity, confusing the three persons of the eternal Godhead. There are three distinct persons in the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three persons in one glorious being are our God. We do not worship one God revealed by three different names, neither do we worship three gods, but we worship one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In this text, Isaiah is giving a prophecy of the incarnation of Christ, the Son of God. He is describing the relationship of the incarnate God-man to us. Now with that in mind, turn to John chapter 8. Let's go into the New Testament and let's see if we can get a little bit more understanding of this term. His name shall be called, speaking of our Lord Jesus, the Everlasting Father. Now Jesus Christ has always been. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Having no beginning of days nor end of days, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Speaking of Jesus Christ our Lord, Paul writing under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit said, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus Christ is the eternal God. He has always been. He is the one who inhabits eternity. Now, there's a glorified man in heaven right now. His name is Jesus Christ the Lord. Our great Creator became a man. The God-man. And that same man that was nailed to that cross 2,000 years ago is in glory in that same body sitting on His sovereign throne of power working all things after the counsel of His own will and nobody can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? So here in John chapter 8, our Lord is speaking to some unbelieving Jews who hated Him. And He said in in verses 56 through the end of this chapter, well, I want to read this. He said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see My day. And he saw it and was glad. I didn't make that up. That's God's Word. Abraham saw Christ. He saw Him through the eye of faith, the same way we see Him. And He was glad. Then said the Jews unto Him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? He he was only in his thirties. I don't know if he had the appearance of looking old or not, but they said, You're not yet fifty years old. Have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them in verse 58, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, Before Abraham was... I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, folks, Jesus Christ was telling those unbelieving Jews that he was God, the great eternal God, the one who has always been. And those Christ hating Jews didn't understand altogether what he was saying but they didn't misunderstand this much that he was telling them that he was God Almighty and they hated that so much they took up stones and would have killed him but it wasn't his time so he passed through the midst of them now they hated Jesus Christ without a cause and today is no different Jesus Christ is hated when he is presented as the Bible presents him as the Bible declares him not only in His person, but also in His finished work for a particular people. Now before Jesus Christ came into this world, before He was born of the Virgin, He spoke these words to Moses. And and Brother Bill read these Scriptures in the men's meeting this morning. When our Lord sent Moses to Egypt to talk to His people who were in captivity, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel... And shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto them, unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Jesus Christ is the great I am. The eternal one. Yahweh. He's the one who inhabits eternity. 
And so we have this established that Jesus Christ is the eternal God. But that does not explain this term together, the everlasting Father. It explains that He is everlasting, but it doesn't explain the term everlasting Father. So turn with me, if you will, over to Galatians chapter 4, declaring that Jesus Christ is our great eternal God is not only very important for our understanding of worshiping Him, but declaring what He has done is very important to our understanding of what He has done for us and in us. In Hebrews, you don't have to turn there, but in Hebrews 2.13, our Lord said, Behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Those same words are found in Isaiah 8 verse 18, which we looked at in one of our previous lessons. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me. Our Lord Jesus calls us His children. He wouldn't call us that if our relationship wasn't to Him as our, our everlasting Father. Let me explain that a little bit more. In the eternal covenant of grace, a people were given to Jesus Christ by God the Father. Once again, don't misunderstand our text with the divine persons in the Godhead. Jesus Christ is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. But in the eternal covenant of grace, God the Father gave a people to His Son. And speaking of Jesus Christ and His children, we read these words in Hebrews 2.10, For it became Him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now the term many sons has nothing to do with male gender or female gender. It has to do with God's elect. It's speaking of God's children, and our Lord refers to His elect as His sons, bringing many sons into captivity. So we're the Lord's children by virtue of a divine payment decreed from everlasting. In that respect, He is our everlasting Father. So look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. We read, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now this is what we're looking at in Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. So in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And here's why He sent Him. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Sons and daughters. Our Lord Jesus came into this world to redeem His chosen people. And He calls us His children. It says, because ye are sons. Now why, why would our Lord refer to us as His sons if He's not our Father? In virtue of 
what He has accomplished for us and in virtue of the miracle of the new birth. You see, what God has done, He has sent His Son to meet all of the conditions of the eternal covenant of grace. Those conditions were set forth in old eternity. Back before time began, before a star ever twinkled in the sky. So in respect to that, in respect to Christ Himself being the one who would receive this gift from God the Father, His children promised to Him, conditional upon what He would do for them, by virtue of that, by virtue of the miracle of the new birth, were His children. Look at this, these next two verses, 6 and 7. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and of a son than an heir of God through Christ. And so, because we're His Son, because we were promised to Him, because He met all of the conditions of the covenant, because He redeemed us with His own precious blood, Jesus Christ has the right, and He exercises the right, to give eternal life to as many as God the Father gave Him. Now folks, listen. This miracle of the new birth is performed by the power of Jesus Christ. All power in heaven and earth has been given to Him. The Scripture tells us that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. The Gospel is Jesus Christ. The, the Lord Jesus Christ is the Gospel. You can't separate them. So the Word of God comes to us when we're dead in trespasses and sins, draws us under the preaching of His glorious Gospel, and sets us free from the curse of the law, from the bondage of sin, from the power of darkness, from the power of Satan. If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So we're born again by the power of Jesus Christ. By virtue of that miracle, the miracle of the new birth, we're His children and He's our everlasting Father. Because we're begotten of Him. Now this is what our text is teaching. That Jesus Christ has a children promised to Him by God the Father. And this loving relationship between us and Him is performed by His sovereign power when He brings us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now let me share this with you. Jesus Christ by Himself purged our sins. He offered Himself as a payment for our sins. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. With the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we owed a debt we could not pay. Jesus Christ paid that debt for us. Who did we owe the debt to? 
the first person of the Godhead, God the Father, actually to God, God Almighty. But Jesus Christ made that payment to His Father. And God the Father accepted. He accepted that. And when He accepted the payment, we were made accepted in the Beloved. I wrote this in an article that's in today's bulletin. You don't have to read it right now, but I encourage you to read it later. And I said this, if you owed a, a, a big bill to a hospital and someone came and paid that bill for you, that hospital could not bring any charges against you. The bill is paid. You have the receipt paid in full. Well, Jesus Christ paid the dead in full. We don't owe anything to God. That's, that's taken care of. And we have the receipt. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It says so in the Holy Scriptures. So we have the receipt right here in God's own Holy Word. And if we by faith embrace that, not one thing can be laid to the charge of God's elect. Is that not right? Amen. So He, when He paid the sin dead in full, He was given the authority, the power over all flesh to give eternal life to as many as the Father gave Him because He met all the conditions of the eternal covenant of grace. So here we are in this world from our mother's womb until we go out of this life for that matter, full of sin. But Jesus Christ comes to us when we're running from Him, hating Him, drinking iniquity like water, loving darkness, hating the light. And He, by His power, brings us under the preaching of His glorious Gospel. By His Spirit, He enlightens the mind, revealing to us who He is and what He has done for us. That's the new birth. Man can't do that. The term itself points to the fact that we must be born again and that nobody has anything to do with the spiritual birth. We have no more to do with the spiritual birth than we did with our physical birth. This is by the power of God. And Jesus Christ is the one who performs that miracle. So we're born again. Born into the kingdom of God. We have received the spirit of adoption. Just go over one book to Ephesians and we heard this read this morning by our brother Lee when he brought his devotional starting at verse 3 it says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ that's chapter 1 verse 3 Verse 4 says, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him. And that's where the phrase should end. It should pick up, In love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. So we have received the spirit of adoption. But it was predestinated. God predestinated this wonderful new birth that we experience receiving the spirit of adoption that took place in eternity so the term everlasting father we've received the spirit of adoption from Jesus Christ by his sovereign power so in that respect 
knowing that it was predestined before time began, then He, the Lord Jesus Christ, is referred to as the Everlasting Father. Folks, this is too rich not to embrace. This is too good not to just embrace with all of your being, thanking God for such a Redeemer as ours. We still believe in the Trinity. We'll never, we'll never stop believing that. All Christians are Trinitarians. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But these descriptive words in Isaiah 9-6 points to Jesus Christ and as Pastor Fortner said, His mediatorial reign. He is the only mediator between God and men. And we must see Him as the only way that we can approach God. Our Lord Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. So we just praise Him and thank Him for this unspeakable gift, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, begotten again unto a living hope by His sovereign power to be His blood-bought children to praise Him forever and forever and forever for who He is and what He has done for us. Amen. God bless you.